Hello and welcome. You are listening to Patrick Boyle on Finance, a podcast exploring ideas from quantitative finance, examining events occurring in markets right now and financial history to see what lessons can be taken away, including interviews with some of the most interesting people in the world of finance. To learn more about the podcast, visit onfinance.org. Do you ever see those Forbes 30 under 30 lists? And they might make you feel a bit down, as there seems to be at least 30 people on the planet who are under the age of 30 and doing a bit better than you are. Well, don't feel too bad, because maybe you would have been number 31 on the list. That's just the cruelty of cutting it off at 30. The people on the list, though, the ones who did make it, They probably just have more promising careers than you do. They'll have garages with Lamborghinis and books while you keep all of your books in your house because that's what you thought you were supposed to do. One reason not to feel so bad is that as you dig back through some of the old 30 under 30 lists, you'll start to notice a bit of a pattern. A lot of the winners, in fact, often the ones that seemed most impressive at the time, seem to end up going to prison, which probably wasn't their goal. Who knows, maybe they went on to become hugely successful prisoners, amassing a huge collection of cigarettes, which are the cryptocurrencies of prison. But sadly, things seem to have really fallen apart for many of the Forbes 30 under 30 over time. So who am I talking about? Well, in recent years, we've seen crypto hobbit Sam Bankman-Fried make the list. He was listed in 2021, along with a bunch of people with junior roles at banks. It makes you wonder who exactly puts these lists together. When I noticed the pattern of criminals and banking juniors, I was excited to read the profiles of the 30 under 30 criminals. After all, these profiles had been written right before everything had gone wrong. But that's just not how things are done at Forbes. They have a Winston Smith type working there, whose job it is to rewrite the old profiles, keeping them up to date. The Sam Bankman-Fried profile has since been updated to include the fact that he lost all of his own money and gambled away his customers' money. I really feel it would have been much better if they'd preserved the original piece. There are still some artifacts to be found, though. The update work has been sloppy. The current profile says that he can't live without slack. He did, after all, love the auto-delete message feature, and it says that his dream mentor is Elon Musk. I'm sure they'll update that again in the future, listing his favorite prison food and that his dream mentor is D.B. Cooper. I don't know, though. I don't want to be all negative about this. Just because Sam's going to prison doesn't mean that he won't achieve success from there. He can still hold on to many of his old goals. Maybe once he settles in, he'll do everything he can to get all of the prison cigarettes and then give them away to the prisoners in the greatest need. That's sort of a worthy goal, I guess. I don't know. So what other notable 30 under 30 alumni do we have? Well, on the 2012 list, there's a similar list of junior bankers and Martin Shkreli, the pharma bro. Prison had to be tough for a guy like Shkreli with such a punchable face. If you remember, the court struggled after his arrest 
to find a jury for his case because they couldn't find 12 people in the entire United States who didn't hate him. Some prospective jurors just saw a photo of him and said they didn't like the look of him. The 30 under 30 list, though, it's got quite a pattern. One criminal and then a bunch of junior bankers who do the coffee run at Credit Suisse. You need to either be under investigation for a federal crime or good at knowing the difference between a flat white and a latte to make this list. As you look at the list of people being praised by Forbes, you wonder if their criteria is to search for people with criminal tendency, and then they keep finding the occasional master criminal each year, and a bunch of people who weren't very good at crime, and so decided to get day jobs instead. If you've made it onto this list and you are not a junior associate at an accounting firm, odds are you're going to prison in the next six months or so. In fact, as soon as the people from Forbes call you up to let you know that you've made the list, you should probably start trying to secure a fake passport, as if you've any sense you'll be going on the run any day now. So who else made the list? Well, in 2022, months before their downfall, Caroline Ellison and Sam Trabuco of FTX made the cut. They had to share a spot, though, meaning that it was actually the 31 under 30 in 2022. I guess you weren't actually 31 on the list then. Caroline Ellison holds the honor of being the only wood nymph to ever have been included on the 30 under 30 list. I'm told it was a huge deal in the wood nymph community at the time, but apparently they just don't talk about her anymore. They're trying to move on from that. The rest of the list was just associates at Bank of America and AIG, you know, office juniors who hired a PR agent. Now, while Elizabeth Holmes never officially made the 30 under 30 list, she did headline the Forbes Under 30 Summit, so I think she deserves an honorary mention here too. Trevor Milton, the bargain bin Elon Musk, was also on the 2020 Forbes list called 12 Under 40, which listed the youngest billionaires on the Forbes 400. The blurb reads, Trevor Milton, the 38-year-old college dropout behind zero-emission truck maker Nikola Motors, joins the ranks of America's richest millennials after tripling his net worth in less than a year. If you don't remember, Nikola, which was named after Nikola Tesla because the name Tesla had already been taken, famously made a demo video of its truck rolling down a hill where the camera was tilted to make it look like the prototype was actually driving under its own power. I joked at the time that they named the company after the wrong scientist. They should have named it Newton. After all, it was the world's first gravity-powered truck. Trevor Milton has since been convicted of fraud and is awaiting sentencing. The newest member of the Forbes Hall of Shame is Charlie Javis, who last week was charged by the Justice Department with falsely and dramatically inflating the number of customers of her company, Frank, in order to get J.P. Morgan Chase to overpay for it. Charlie founded her company, Frank, to help students apply for college financial aid in 2017, when she was just 24 years old. By 2019, she had been named on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. 
She described her company as like Amazon for higher education, a phrase that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. It's kind of like saying my company is the Tesla of pencils. Oh, are they electric full self-writing pencils? No, um, they're just, uh, they're just pencils. Javis described herself as relentlessly upbeat in a podcast interview last year, saying, there were definitely times where I painted a rosier picture than things truly were. And that, it turns out, was true. In 2021, JP Morgan bought her company for $175 million as part of its Chase retail banking division with the aim of getting access to younger customers. Problems emerged almost immediately after the deal closed when JP Morgan noticed that the delivery and open rates for its emails to frank customers were far, far lower than expected. They launched an investigation and uncovered what U.S. authorities now allege was a months-long scheme to fabricate user data. According to the lawsuit, Frank only had about 300,000 clients and fabricated data to show a much larger customer base. Javis is alleged to have enlisted a data scientist to make up a few million customers, which I guess can be described as painting a rosier picture than things truly were. The employee who was asked to create the false records allegedly told her, I don't want to do anything illegal, to which Javis allegedly responded, we don't want to end up in orange jumpsuits. Come on now, Charlie, you've got a plan a little bit better. Look at your CV. You're not a junior associate at an accounting firm. The minute Forbes called you, you should have booked a flight to a country that doesn't have an extradition treaty with the United States. It's not hard, Charlie. The signals are very clear. The magazine curse is not a new idea either. A group of finance professors from the University of Richmond in Virginia wrote a paper in 2007 on this very topic, entitled Our Cover Stories, Effective Contrarian Indicators. There's an old story that Joe Kennedy, a legendary stock manipulator, dumped all of his shares right before the 1929 stock market crash, saying, you know it's time to get out when the shoeshine boys start giving you stock tips. Shoeshine boys were the finance YouTubers of the Roaring Twenties. The 2007 academic paper suggests that the modern-day contrarian equivalent is magazine covers. The professors looked at 549 cover stories from three business magazines, Business Week, Forbes and Fortune, over a 20-year period. They then went on to analyse how the shares of the featured companies had fared in the 500 days before and the 500 days after the publication date. This is because companies made the cover of these publications for both good and bad reasons. You probably won't be that surprised to hear that the companies that received the most positive coverage in the run-up to the publication date were top performers, having on average outperformed the stock market by 43% before making the cover. 
the companies that received negative magazine coverage were ones that had, on average, underperformed the stock market by 35% before making the cover. The academics discovered a reversal of fortune tended to occur after the articles were published. The high flyers period of outperformance came to an end and the beaten down stocks went on to beat the market after the publication date. As the authors put it, positive stories generally indicate the end of superior performance and negative news generally indicates the end of poor performance. The research shows that investing based on media enthusiasm can be destructive to your wealth. The magazine cover indicator isn't new. It was first published more than 35 years ago by Paul McRae Montgomery, an American fund manager. His analysis of every Time magazine cover since 1923 led him to state that whenever a periodical has a cover story, it's been significant 85% of the time. When I worked for Victor Niederhofer, I helped with some of the research that went into his book, Practical Speculations. I'll put a link to that book in the video description. One of the studies that went into the book was an analysis on Time Magazine's Person of the Year award. Victor found the award to be a hubristic curse, pointing out that the award had gone to companies or CEOs on six occasions and the winning company's stock went on to deliver an average decline of 10% over the next two years versus an average gain of 20% for the S&P 500 for the same two-year period. He similarly found that companies who had the naming rights to the world's tallest building tended to underperform the stock market in both one, three, and five-year periods after the building was completed. And in a study that might have warned you about FTX, Victor found that companies that paid for the naming rights of sports stadiums also underperformed. Business Week was a magazine that was first published in September 1929, just weeks before the stock market crash. It was bought out by Bloomberg in 2009. Business Week had such a terrible history of wrong calls that sell when Business Week's cover says buy became a Wall Street maxim. They famously proclaimed the death of equities in 1979 and announced the dawning of the internet age in December 1999. They put Jeffrey Skilling, the CEO of Enron, on the cover in February 2001, praising Enron's strict risk management controls. Months later, Skilling resigned for personal reasons, and Enron imploded in the biggest bankruptcy in corporate history at the time. Skilling was eventually sentenced to 24 years in prison. As the economist Paul Krugman famously put it, whom the gods would destroy they first put on the cover of Business Week. Now the rule doesn't just apply in the world of business. The Sports Illustrated cover jinx is an urban legend that states that individuals or teams who appear on the cover of the Sports Illustrated magazine will subsequently be jinxed. An explanation for the Sports Illustrated jinx is that athletes are generally featured on the cover after an exceptionally good performance, which might be an outlier compared with their usual level of playing. 
after this exceptional performance, there is essentially nowhere to go but down. The statistician Francis Galton, while trying to explain data that showed the offspring of tall parents were on the average not as tall as their parents, and the offspring of short parents were on the average not as short as their parents, described this effect as regression to mediocrity, which was later renamed regression toward the mean. Chris Backey, a tech entrepreneur, tweeted last week that the Forbes 30 under 30 have collectively raised $5.3 billion in funding, and the Forbes 30 under 30 have also been arrested for frauds and scams worth over $18.5 billion, an incredible track record. The first number comes from Forbes, and the second is Backey's own calculation, but you get the idea. As a group, they have frauded three and a half times the amount of money that they've raised in funding, which is an impressive level of fraud. You have to give it to them. They're dedicated to their craft. The line between innovator and fraudster seems to have become alarmingly thin. Look, if you work at a bank and the junior associate who does your coffee run has made it onto this list, there's a really good chance that they've taken your coffee money and that they're not coming back with the coffee. I'm sorry, but this list is a huge red flag that you should have spotted. If your name has appeared on the Forbes 30 under 30 and you're running some sort of criminal conspiracy, it might be time to start planning your escape. The clock is ticking. On the other hand, If you made it onto the list and you're a junior at an accounting firm who hired a publicist to get this done, congratulations, but you really shouldn't be watching this video. I think you know better than anyone that the coffee is not going to make itself. Thanks for tuning into today's podcast. If you enjoyed it, I'd appreciate you sending a link to your friends as podcasts tend to grow by word of mouth. Have a great day and talk to you again soon. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Thank you to everyone who is supporting this content on Patreon. If you enjoyed this content, you can find more like it on YouTube, on the Patrick Boyle on Finance channel, or follow us on Twitter at Patrick E. Boyle. Thanks for listening. Bye.